Society, and uh, it is references that, but it is reference to the entry of the Lord Jesus Christ coming in in the week before the Passover and Him entering in. And this morning, uh, there is just, and just as we're singing there and thinking about it, and this morning, I just keep thinking how many people, for us, much of what you're going to hear this morning is a truth that we have and we possess. Much of what we hear preached to us is stuff we already know. How many would agree? I mean, a lot of times we don't hear anything new, but we reemphasize. And, and I like hearing things that stir me up. Man, I know that. But then I back up and I go, am I living what I know? Or am I just kind of mentally agreeing with what I've heard and I believe, but not really walking out day by day, putting it into practice? Or am I really seeing it come to pass? The other thing I ask myself, am I seeing what I believe happened? That's why we have a prayer wall that says we'll pray for these requests, but we believe to see the answers over here. And let me put this, that if you have had an, an, an answer to your prayer, please put it up over there. Because I think a lot of people, I'm hearing testimonies of God doing things, but I don't see our answer while growing. I'm hearing testimonies of God doing things. Praise the Lord. So make sure we write them up there and get them up there because it builds our faith. Amen? And so seeing what the Lord has done and believing that, that's our goal. But on that other part, part of our potential, and we talk about living to our full redemptive potential, is the only means that the Lord has to reach the lost is you and me. He just doesn't have anybody else. He's not sending anybody else. Jesus is going, but he's going through you and through me to reach the lost in our community. Amen? And so we have to be challenged by that and love the lost enough to go to them. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and it came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied to a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, We're not stealing the donkey. <laughs> Amen. But you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. I always read that, and I think, man, what an amazing thought that you could go, that the Lord would move upon people's heart, and you go there, and you're borrowing something that belongs to somebody else. You see these two guys just walking off with your means of transportation. Amen. And they just go, hey, be of good cheer. The Lord needs your car. Amen, or whatever. He just needs, your, he just needs that. And you go, okay, cool. Amen. So watch this. The Lord has need of them, and he will send them. Verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And, very, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. The multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna. Watch this. To who? The son of David. Now keep that in mind. To the son of David. Because we're going to read some things in here that are tying David. We're going to read some specific things about David and Jonathan. But Jesus is the son of David. He's referred to. And in that reference to him as the son of David, that is a covenant reference. 
Amen? That is a covenant reference. And what we're celebrating with Easter coming up next year and what Jesus was doing, Jesus was coming fulfilling covenant. And when you understand, and I say this all the time when we teach on it, just in our society and in our culture, American culture does not understand covenant. We just don't understand how covenant works and what it means. Covenant is life for life and death for death. It is life or death in how we keep that. And so he says, which is spoken by the prophet, tell the daughter of Zion, or excuse me, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read several verses this morning just as the foundation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and beginning in verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, <coughs> excuse me, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now look at verse 19. That is that God was what? In Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now I want you to hold on to that thought. Because as I said, Jesus was the son of David. And how God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We're going to find out that David did the same thing as a type for us. And the, the seriousness of this and, and the implication of this is powerful for us. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. You might want to underline that. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation and so we've received it and now we're supposed to share it hey i've been reconciled you can be reconciled amen now when now then we are what ambassadors for christ as though god were pleading through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god in him now, i want you to keep that in mind there's a lot that was said right there amen about reconciliation what god has done for us through christ and he came and reconciled us to himself now go with me to second samuel chapter 9 and this morning, I want to tie together what God, what David did and what happened between David and Jonathan and what happened between David and Jonathan's seed to what God has done for you and I. And the entrance, and th this is the thing that I always see. When I look at the cross and I think about the cross and I think about our redemption and the covenant that was made there in Jerusalem for us and I thought about it the other day last Sunday night while brother Larry was uh, ministering to us on communion 
and uh, I was thinking about Jesus hanging on the cross, and I was thinking about the blood that ran down that cross and went into the ground. And if for no other reason, if there was no other covenant, if there was nothing else made, if there was no other promise, God's Son, His blood went into that ground of Israel. And if for nothing else, that's the price of purchase right there. That land belong, That land belongs to God by the price of blood. And just that, that blood flowing down into that ground from that cross, God says, you know what, I paid for my land, Israel. This land belongs to my people, amen, been bought and paid for in the blood of my Son, and when you think about it, I don't care any nation, any army, there's no nuclear nothing, amen, that can turn that around, praise the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 9, and look at me if you would begin in verse 1. Now David said, this is after the death of Saul in David's kingdom, uh, setting up his kingdom, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for what? Jonathan's sake. And there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba, who when they called him, said to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. And the king said, is there still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan <coughs> who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? <clears throat> and Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil in Lodibar. And, king and the king sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Emil from Lodibar. So watch that. The king sent and brought him out. Is there anybody left? When it comes to you and I, the Lord is asking us, is there anybody left who doesn't know that they have covenant with me through my son Jesus Christ? Is there anybody left that has that I have covenant with through the covenant that I made with Jonathan? Is there any seed left that I can show kindness to? And so when 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 David sent the messenger to there, that messenger made a triumphant entry into Mephibosheth's life. How I many know everything about his life changed at that moment? Read on with me, if you would, just a little bit. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually." Now, this is going to get really good here in just a moment. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? We've had that religious mindset before. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's son all that belongs to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your son and your servant shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Now that sounds kind of cool because here is Mephibosheth, and he's eating in the redemptive place at the king's 
table. He's eating what the king provides for him. But he has people over here working on his behalf. And you and I, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But we have ministering angels. The angels are ministering unto us. And so they're over here working on our behalf and dealing with the provision and the things that God has promised to put in order in our life. So I don't have to worry about that. Mephibosheth didn't have to be worried about his stuff or about his life or what belonged to him. The king had set an authority over that and people to take care of that. So we have angels ministering. If we just get out of the mess and let God set it up and agree with what he set up on our behalf, we, everything would work out just fine. Somebody ought to shout amen. Look at the cover of your outline. There is a liberating freedom that comes when we understand the redeeming grace of our Savior. Jesus has made a triumphant entry into our life. If we ever come to fully understand what Christ had done for us in coming to redeem us from our sin, it will change everything in how we live and understand our relationship with God. And I'm just submitting to you today that if, we, like I said earlier, we hear a lot, but do we fully understand the entrance that God has made into our life and what it means when we accept Him? What it means? Because we'll say, we're a joint heir. Yes, amen. Okay, what does that mean? Am I living in the fullness of that? Or do I feel like I just have to be over here busy in all this life? David said to Mephibosheth, he said, you sit here. I'll make sure that gets taken care of. You find a way to abide in my presence and to remain and rest in me. Amen? To trust me and watch what happened. That God just works on his behalf and he will work on our behalf as well. It doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility, but we definitely don't have worry and anxiety. How many would agree? And so it changes everything in how we live and understand our relationship with him. God is not willing that any should perish. How many have read that in 1 Peter chapter 3? Now why is he long-suffering? He's not willing that any should perish. Listen to what David said. Is there anybody left that I can show kindness to? And when the Lord looks out upon the world, he says, is there anybody left that is yet to receive my kindness? And God is looking to do in the earth. He's looking to do in El Dorado County. He's looking to do in your home and in your family. Exactly what David did to Mephibosheth. The heart of God is the same. Is there anybody yet that doesn't know my kindness to them. And he's so serious about it that he came in Christ to reconcile people to himself. And if you take it like this, the messenger, when he went, he was in David, or David was in the messenger. Do you understand that? When you sent somebody and you sent them in your name, when they went in your name, they went as you. So when Jesus came, he came as the Father personally coming to us. Hallelujah. Now watch this. He is not willing to leave anyone who is of covenant seed to perish in Lodibar. Leaving Lodibar, though, is a choice that we are all faced with. Everyone has experienced it in some degree, the crippling effects of life. Everyone will have to make the choice to either possess their pain, process their pain, excuse me, and receive the restoration, healing, and provision that is theirs, or they will live out their lives in a barren and desolate place called Lodibar. And by that, there's some things that are so amazing that as a pastor, I watch and I just keep trying to encourage people. Come on, you've been fully redeemed. Why live in the shadow and the memory of the path and hold on to things that you've been brought out of? We're doing all right. Our full redemption that belongs to us. 
Isn't it time to leave the place of a crippled existence and to enter in the covenant provision that has always been yours? Why choose to stay and live in desolation and isolation when the provision of the king is yours? Mephibosheth have to go, well, no, that's just too good to be true. I'll just stay here. No. Or to find an excuse to go back there. Amen. So many times we do that. Wow. So think about it. Too many find themselves <clears throat> living lame in this place called Lodibar. Too many in life are just like Mephibosheth. They're crippled, bitter and resentful, broken and in fear. Have you met anybody like that? I'm, I know all kinds of people like that. And you look at where they are, and it's all because of life experiences of them. But the whole time, there's a redemption that belongs to them. Amen? Too many, like Mephibosheth, have been dropped by those who were entrusted to care for them because they acted in haste and out of fear and as a result of an evil report. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 4. Interesting. If you go to... Uh, to the Gospels and you watch, Jesus just began ministering to, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and bruised and afflicted. Amen? So what was, see, everything about the definition of the anointing upon Jesus' life, in fact, just turn to Luke 4, keep your finger there in 2 Samuel 4, but turn to Luke 4 and look at what Jesus defines as the anointing and what it was given to do and just think about that in light of what we're going to what we're talking about what God did for Mephibosheth because what you have to understand is David was a type of Christ David was standing as a type of Christ and Jonathan and David and Jonathan came as a type of the people and submit e even though he had authority to be he, he, he thought, well, I'm the next king. I should be king or, or I have authority. My he gave up his authority and submitted himself to the one he knew was the true king. He said, I could be king and I'm in line to be king, but I choose to submit myself to the true king. Amen. And he makes covenant with David. Now look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4 and look at verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? To the poor. Was Mephibosheth poor? Yeah. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Did he have a broken heart? Absolutely. To proclaim liberty to captives. Whether Was he a captive by his fears in his past? Yeah. Recovery of sight to the blind. He couldn't see what actually belonged to him. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to acclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Mephibosheth, this is your year of acceptance with God. And so Jesus came and watched it. Here's what, that's what David did for Mephibosheth, but that's what Jesus came to do for his own people. He said, wait a minute, these are all my covenant seed. Everybody in Israel, you and I, when we come, we're in that same place, and the Lord's come to redeem us the exact same way. I don't know about you, I get excited by this message. I just got fired up and thinking about this with the entry of the Lord and thinking about that triumphant entry. What are we celebrating? What is, what is the good? Think about what's the good news of the gospel? Reconciliation. Amen. How powerful is that? Wow. Now watch. So too many have been there. Second Samuel 4, 4. Watch this. 
I went back to 1 Samuel. All Mephibosheth's life, he had heard the wrong thing. And Jonathan, saw, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. and He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame in his feet. And his name was Mephibosheth. What happened was because of the wrong report, because of the wrong uh, information, people ran. People responded wrongly. And as a result, somebody got dropped and somebody got wounded and somebody got hurt. And so David's pain, he was told his whole life, this is because of David. Your pain and you're crippled because of David. And David wasn't his problem. David was his answer. And you think about it in life. There are so many people going through life who thinks God is their problem. Amen. I'm a little bit ahead of myself. But in this, there, there, there's that lie. There's a lie that cripples. A lie that cripples. Are you listening to me? There's a lie that cripples. And that lie says this. And I, I think about it over the years when we've done funerals. Unfortunately, in doing funerals, I've had to do too many funerals for children, for different things. And so I always think about it like this. People say, well, the Lord took her. Okay, let me just examine that thought for a minute. Or then we'll say, well, the Lord needed a flower in heaven. Are you kidding me? So for somebody to come and say that, it sounds, I guess, religious. It sounds somehow kind of comforting. But I'm trying to figure out, how is that? Because if somebody came... And, and, and if something happened to a mother or to a father and children have to grow up motherless or fatherless or parents who have children, they lose that. God is not a killer. He is not a thief. And he doesn't destroy. Amen. He doesn't do that. But if we attribute that to. And so God is our answer. He's not the source of our pain. But yet we've been told that. And people have mindsets based on bad information. And the people that are saying it are kind of, they care about the people they're talking to, but they're just caring out of ignorance. God doesn't do that. I can't imagine, you know, if, if you sit with little children, say, uh, we've had parents killed in car accidents. We've had different things. We, we, uh, I had a, a father that ran over his, his, his child with a tractor. I mean, all I mean, crazy stuff. I had a teenage boy get shot in the back of the head at the church we pastored last. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And so I'm not going to tell the parents, well, the Lord needed your son in heaven. Are you kidding me? So the way the Lord gets your son in heaven is to blow his brains out on a day of hunting and that like that. God is that sick in his mind that he wants you to go through that grief. How many know what I'm saying? And so they're, they're blaming the answer for their pain. I'm just trying to illustrate that. And so people have gone through that. And so people, you don't really want to, when you have a problem then, you don't really want to run to God for an answer or doing all right. Not if he's that kind of a God. You never know what he's going to do. He might just come down and swoop something out. Or God just gave you this cancer because he loves you so much. Or God's doing this. Or God's giving you this. Or God gave you that. Or the Lord put this on you. God cannot put anything or do anything that is contrary to his nature in your life. You understand that? He is life and he is love. God does not possess death. He does not need to... Come on, if God needed a flower in heaven, have you ever looked around at what he created? It's like, oh man, I can't create one. I need to steal one from somebody else. Are you doing all right? 
But I'm just saying that information. And so that even in the church, people just have the wrong idea about God. And with that, I can be saved. I can be praising God. I can be speaking in tongues. I can be enjoying that. But, but in my mind, I have a low bar mindset. I have a mind that keeps me in a land of barrenness and not understanding what God has. In my mind, because of provision, because of poverty on my family, because what has happened, I'm not able to give, I'm not able to live out of liberal spirit because I can't believe that I can sit at the king's table and have my provision met and what the whole time God is working over here so I can be a person of abundance and a person of blessing and able to bless because my need will always be met at his table and what happens over here here is the overflow that allows me to be generous and show the nature and the character of God. And he has angels that are ministering spirit under the heirs of salvation. They make sure that all things work together for good to those who are in Christ Jesus. Mephibosheth, you are in the king. And so all things work together for you while you are in the king. You are in Christ. And while we're in Christ, all things work together for good for those who are in Christ. Hallelujah. God is so good to us. Amen. He is just so good to us. Now watch this. David had been proclaimed by Saul to be the enemy of his kingdom and his household. Saul had fought to kill him. They thought that because of how fiercely Saul had hunted David, that David would surely want to get revenge on the rest of the family. That's the lie that crippled. A fabrication in our minds that speaks against the truth based upon what we've been told about another with no personal experience or knowledge. Many times that happens in relationships. People hear things and form opinions about people that you've never had any personal involvement with. That happens in the church. And people hear things about pastor, hear people about leader, hear people about everything. But yet you've never had a personal engagement with that person and your knowledge, your, your knowledge and your forming opinion most of the time based on bad information. And it's a lie that cripples. And then you get to meet that person. Wow, man, I've been ripped off from a great friendship and a relationship based on bad information. And sometimes you just need to go slap people. Amen. Don't do that, but I just, amen. <laughs> amen, that was bad information, amen. Buck understands that, he's been there, praise the Lord. Now what? How many are living lame in a place called Lodibar, crippled, bitter, broken, and resentful, living as a fugitive and an outlaw when they are the son of a king and covenant seed? How many times in life have people responded in fear and haze because they just didn't know and someone was dropped? How many are hiding in fear in a place called Lodibar all because they don't know that they have a covenant with the king to preserve, protect, and provide? How many people right now of El Dorado County are living in Lodibar? How many family members that you have that just don't know? And they need a ziba to come to them. See, look, at, I don't have to convince them. Listen, ziba didn't come to Mephibosheth and say, Mephibosheth, the king knows you're an outlaw, you're a rebel, knows that you hate him, knows that you have anger in your heart, knows that if you could, you would kill him. He didn't, come, he didn't come and point out his faults or his sins. He came and declared his restoration. And if we would change our tactics in evangelism, if you would change the way you pray for your family and minister to your family, quit pointing out what they are and start telling them who they are in Christ. Don't point out what, what, what they're the byproduct of, of, the, of ignorance in their life. People are where they are because they don't know who they are. 
So why don't you just tell them who they are. Start telling them what it means to be in Christ. Start telling about the redemptive promise that belongs to them. Start speaking that over their life. Start praying for them in that manner. Make that your confession, your declaration over them. Well, they're just so mean. They're so like They're strung out. They're just so mad. You know that and they know that. They just don't know who they are. And the reason they're there is because of bad information. Be the one that gives them the truth. Amen? That's more than I don't have time. I want you to go back. Just go to 1 Samuel chapter 20. And I just have to read a couple verses to you. David and Jonathan make such a powerful covenant. Such a powerful covenant today. And we don't talk to one another like this anymore. You never hear people make declarations like this or understand what relationship is like this. But in that thing, the Bible says that David or Jonathan loved David as his own soul. That Jonathan loved David as his own soul. I don't know about you, I love the Lord as my own soul. Amen. And so it's easy for me to make covenant with God. It's easy for me to give up my right to be the king of my own life. To rule over my domain, my realm, whatever. But it's easy for me to say, Lord, you're the one who is the rightful king. And I choose to serve you and honor you. I submit myself to you. I'll live for you and I will honor you. And the Lord says, but, but in doing that, in that covenant, then the king says back to the other, then I commit to you in this way. And that's what covenant does. It's where we make covenant one with another for life and for death. Now watch this. And uh, beginning with uh, uh, David knows that Saul's out to plot against him. And uh, so he calls Jonathan and says, hey, your dad's mad at me. He's trying to kill me. And Jonathan said, man, if, if I, my dad was mad at you, I'd know it. And, and, and do that. And so Dave gives him the idea, says, well, I'm supposed to be with your dad in three days. And, and so, but you tell him that I asked of you permission to go to Bethlehem to worship with my family. And if he gets mad, then his response will tell you where we stand. Amen. And then you come and tell me whatever his response is. So look down at verse seven. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, this is David to Jonathan, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Or David and Jonathan have already pledged their friendship together. Okay, And so now David is coming to Jonathan and he's saying, hey, you made covenant with me. Now I'm asking you in this covenant relationship to deal with me. How many know the Lord has a right to come to us and ask for us and things of that? And so he's asking Jonathan this way. And then watch what goes on. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? But Jonathan said, far be it from you. For if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, who will tell me of what your father or tell me or what if your father answers roughly? And Jonathan said to David, let us go out into the field. This is powerful. So both of them went into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded my fa out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good towards David, and I do not sin to tell you, may the Lord do so and much more to Jonathan. If I found out that my dad has evil plotted against you and I don't come and tell you, may the Lord do that evil to me and more. 
how many know, have, have you ever had a friend come up to tell you that? Talk to you like that, that kind of a promise? Hey, if I find out there's harm coming out against you, if somebody was plotting against you, planning evil against you, and I don't tell you, may whatever harm they have planned against you come upon me, and even more than that. I know we don't talk like that. Amen? Now watch that. And so he goes, okay, may that happen, may the Lord. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send away that you go in safety. And the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. And you shall not, watch it, verse 14, and you shall not only show me kindness of the Lord while I live that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No doubt when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Or in other words, David, I put myself under that, but whatever your enemies have plotted against you, if you don't keep your covenant with me, may that happen to you and more. Wow. Now, Jonathan, again, caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Verse 23, and it says, And as for the matter which you and I have spoken, indeed, the Lord is between you and me forever. And the whole course of events goes on, and Jonathan gets there, and he sends David go over down to verse 42. And David, Jonathan, here's what will happen. If it's for you, then I will shoot, will come out in the field. I'll shoot an arrow, and I'll make sure it falls in front of you. And I'll say, come in closer. But if it's against you, I'll shoot it farther. And I'll say, no. And I'll send my servant to retrieve it. I said, no, it's back this way. Come in. If it's past you, I'll say, no, you go. Keep going. It's out there further. And so depending upon if it's past you, then you know my father's done that. And it'll just be between you and I. And so David, Jonathan brought the news that Saul had determined to, to kill uh, David and he was mad at Jonathan for making covenant with him and so then after the news verse 42 then Jonathan said to David after the servant left to come together go in peace since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord saying may the Lord be between you and me between your descendants and my descendants forever so he arose and departed and Jonathan went Jonathan went his way or in other words when they get together they're saying we have this covenant we have this covenant and so now you understand that this covenant is made between a type of Christ and a type of you and I. Jonathan as the people and David as the king. David as Jesus and Jonathan as us as the people. And so here's this covenant. And it is forever between us. Amen. And so when Jesus comes as the son of David, here's people that are connected in covenant seed and they're asking for that covenant provision. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus said that the woman that was bent over, every time he did it, he said, this is because of covenant that this is happening. And that's what the spirit of the Lord is for. That was his triumphant entry. The good news of the gospel is our complete redemption. Amen. Hallelujah. Now stay with me as we finish this. Uh, too many people blame their answer for their problem. Because all their life they've been given the wrong information. No one has ever told them the truth. Only irrational blame and fear coming from ignorance. Mephibosheth had been told his whole life that David was his enemy. And he was the cause of his father's death. If he ever got a chance, he would kill him. As I said, that happens with God too. Therefore, he believed that it was David's fault that he was dropped and now was living crippled in this dry and pastureless place called Lodibar. Every day of his life was filled with blame towards David. 
and planning for the day that he would have a chance to avenge himself, his father, and his family. Lodibar is the place where we live after we've been dropped. Now we're lame and we've been told that it was, I left that blank. Who have you been told was the source of your pain? Was it your dad? You come from a broken family? Somebody dropped you that was supposed to love you and care for you? Amen. People have, that, that, uh, almost everybody could put somebody's name in there for the pain of their life. Amen? And sometimes people put God's name in there. Well, God, why'd you let that happen? God, why'd you let that happen? God, why did you do that? Come on. So the question is, who do we blame for our pain? How sad it is that so many are living in a barren place, barely surviving, when all along they have a place in a palace. Think about that. Where are you and I to be? When I think about these, God, I want to remember. I just keep thinking. In fact, just during worship this morning, just coming on, I just think about all the people that don't know their place that belongs to them. What, what motivates us? It's not, enough, it's not enough just for us to come in and be thankful and rejoice about sitting at the table. While we're sitting here, we have to remember so many people are still in that drying and bare place, and they're there by bad information. Amen? Bad information. Jesus has come to bring us out. It's just like this. How, how many have ever, and, and, and it gets me all the time, I get so irritated, and, and there, are, there, there are literally acts of God that bring destruction, and it is judgment. And it's interesting, Brother John, he, he points and correlates some things out, that when we make dumb decisions as a nation against Israel, it always seems like there is something co- co- correlating between a disaster here or there, and it happened, but, but that's harvest off of seed sown. That's a harvest of just ignorance. Are you with me? Because God said, I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. But God doesn't just show up without just to do an act of judgment. And so we have natural disaster, and we call them acts of God. That, that you, you can buy home insurance that protects you against an act of God. How I many know what I'm saying? Right, Teresa? So they have acts of God insurance, just in case God acts out. You know, he has a temper tantrum or something. I mean, know what I'm saying? And, and so, and he comes and destroys and wipes out your home and wipes out the land and wipes out the crowd. Just for no reason, it's just an act of God. No, that's just bad information. And so then people are told, oh, that was an act of God. The news reporters get on, this was an act of God. So now everybody's mad at God because he destroyed their life. God's not a destroyer. Jesus is not the destroyer. He is the Savior. How many understand? And there are areas, and there, there, there's harvest to what we do. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the majority of the time, it's not harvest. It's just the enemy, and we live in a fallen world. I would say it like this. People go, oh, well, man, my house floods every year. Well, maybe move out of the floodplain. <laughs> you know what? I, that people say, well, where do you live? I, I live in Tornado Alley. Well, maybe move, and you, your trailer might last. Hallelujah. You know what? I, you know, my house, been to, this, this is the fourth house we've had destroyed by tornadoes, and you're still there because. We will rebuild. Oh, wow. All right. Are we doing all right? And so that's not even an act of God. This is just foolishness. Amen. In my mind, I mean, you live wherever you want. Hallelujah. And uh, so David made that covenant with Jonathan's father. Jesus is our redeemer, and we have a covenant. 
Mephibosheth had a covenant with the king. I think about this. At any moment in my life, before I got saved, I could have called upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You, you don't have to go through pain to get saved. Doing all right? You say, why do we minister to young people? Why do we have a Lord's gym? Why do we want to reach young people early? Because you don't have to go through pain before you get saved. At any moment, I could have found the kindness of God. You and any of all of us in this room could have called upon his name earlier than we did. Amen. And avoided a lot of the pain. Praise the Lord. So think about that. David kept his covenant promise to Jonathan. Had Mephibosheth only knew he had that covenant right with his father, with the king, he could have at any time approached the king. I think about blind Bartimaeus. Jesus, he just heard about Jesus and cried out, have mercy on me. You know, we can do that today. Tricia, you come to the keyboard. Had those that cared for Mephibosheth only known, they would have had no fear. My friend, I'm just telling you today, Jesus has made an entrance. We are not supposed to be living in fear. If you're living in fear, you have bad information. Amen. There would have been no need to flee in haste. If you feel like you have to flight and run, you're operating off of bad information. They would have had a different response to the news that David or that Jonathan and Saul were dead. He would have never been dropped. And there's people in our lives that we shouldn't have dropped. And we can minister forgiveness and restoration of them. And there would have never been wasted barren years. Unfortunately, there are too many living in ignorance of the truth and the knowledge of their rightful position and covenant provision through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. So what are some reasons for living in Lodibar? How do people end up there? I just think, again, we're given the wrong information. Amen? We were motivated by fear. and We were dropped and now we're crippled, bitter, and resentful. And we blame our answer for our problem. How many understand that? So my question is this, isn't it time that we accept the kindness of God? You know, as I was going through this and things just keep running together, I, I love when the Old and New Testament come together for clarity. Interesting statement that is made by Paul when the Philippian jailer gets saved. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. Come into covenant with Christ, and you and your seed will be saved. Wow. So wait a minute. I have covenant. My covenant covers my seed. And I've learned this. I've met a lot of people that are pretty dogmatic in certain beliefs and understandings. I've learned I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to some areas, especially when it's grace and redemption. Amen? How many, how many have understood this verse? There's a verse where Peter wrote that says that if a woman is married and she's saved and the husband is not, or if the husband's, you know, in the marriage, if one of the other spouses is saved, that their relationship covers the other one. That the believer sanctifies and covers the unbeliever. Now, I don't understand how all that works. I just know that God made promise. How many know that Mephibosheth was redeemed without doing anything? Did he repent? Now, repentance is a part. And we have to repent. How many know what I mean? We have to, and, and he came before David. And he actually, who am I? I'm this. And I'm a dog. But watch that. 
So wait a minute. And, and so why? If, if you and I will do this, let me help you. If you and I will do this, if we'll accept our covenant with God and we'll live in our covenant with him and rest in our covenant. How many know the angels that are ministering spirit unto the heirs of salvation? They are ministering spirit unto the heirs. What an interesting statement. Unto the, how many know your seed are heirs of salvation? They're your seed. They're your heirs. And if you're a joint heir, then your inheritance passes down to your children. We're doing all right? And so what if you just started thanking God for their salvation? What if you just start, Father, I thank you. You have, you have angels ministering spirit who are ministering to my children, Father. They're, 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 they're coming. You're showing them your goodness and your kindness. They're there. They're making the redemptive revelation known to them. And, God, you're working on their behalf, Father, because you're keeping covenant. You made covenant with me for me and for my seed. As long as I have seed in the earth, I have covenant with you. Woo! Glory to God. I, mean, I don't know about you. That brings a whole lot of peace. Amen. Instead of worry and anxiety. And then I don't have to do it. You don't have. How many know that God does it better than we do? So when we get over, like I said, when we get over there messing with it. And you're always messing with them and trying to get them and fix them and tell them. Let the angels do their job. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. Amen. The Holy Spirit is in the earth to Convict the world of, of sin, of righteousness, and justice. That's his job. Last time I checked, I wasn't the Holy Ghost. And neither were you. Amen? So let him do his job. Hallelujah. Think about it. Watch this. David showed up in Mephibosheth's life bigger than anything Mephibosheth had ever heard about him. David showed up bigger than anything David had ever heard or Mephibosheth had ever heard about him. How many of you have found that God showed up in your life bigger than anything you ever heard about him before you got saved? God is a God who is bigger than words. I preached that years ago. It's time that we let God be big again in our life. Amen? Bow your heads with me this morning. Just stand with me.